another week has appeared upon us to settle in and turn our bones into mush, create a soup of people's slush out of us all. Welcome back to another episode of Murder's a Drag. I am Aura Van Dank. This is my show. These are my 17 and a half inch nails. And this is my giant ponytail fantasy land. Welcome. All right, slushy people. This week I watched a documentary about Bob Ross. And it was really surprisingly sad. And it made me sad for multiple reasons. One of them being that I will never be Bob Ross. And I'll never be able to paint happy little trees because I can't find the right kind of paint that's not from his corporation because apparently after he died it went to bad people and we're not supposed to support the bad people but i can't find it the paint supplies elsewhere so i'll never have happy little trees and that's where my mind has been um i also got to go to san diego again see the girls the girls were girling out there again in gal city it was a nice time got to see all of my san diego people and work on you know some drag stuff do some drag that kind of a thing I really want to move out there, but San Diego, by the way, not Gal City. That's just what I call it. <laughs> it's really expensive, and I mean, I don't know if you know, but podcasts are not something that you get paid for. But for now, I'm totally fine with driving three plus hours through the Gal Valley, down and up the Gal Mountains, out there to Gal City. I'm fine with that. I can live with that. Because being from the other side of the country, I will always find the drives through Southern California, or anywhere in California, pretty and entertaining. So I don't mind going there, especially if I get to go to San Diego about it. That's fun. I just I get entertained. There's so much sand everywhere. And like, where did that shit come from? And then boulders, huge ass boulders also everywhere. And where the fuck did those guys come from? Just big ass, you know, probably volcanoes, maybe an earthquake, maybe some other shit. You don't see stuff like that. Back in where I'm from, baby, that's not what you see. You see trees and kudzu. Also, cactuses, cactuses. Can it get any better than that? I fucking love cactuses. Those are my... I mean, I have already liked them before I moved here. I even had a cactusy hat. Uh, but now I get to fucking have my own cactuses, and that's great. Just wild shit, man. I digress. This week, my mind has been very occupied, obviously. Good things. But, hey, occupied nonetheless. Um, no one's home. Just me. In my mind, not in real life. In real life, I'm still living with Charlie. We're good here. We're, we're all good there. <laughs> I'm okay with that, though. I'm okay with a crowded brain, because when it's not a crowded brain and it's full of not great things, that girl goes wild. I mean, I, you can imagine if this content was darker that I was talking, which is hard to imagine darker than murder, but there is things darker. We all, we know. And that would go wild. I mean, you've heard the first few minutes of this podcast. Just imagine that in bad, in a bad way. Unless you already consider this bad. In which case, get the fuck out of here. You're not welcome anyway. Also, I mean, 
I don't know if you guys are into it, but I assume if you're in this realm with me, you probably would be. I started a uh, an Instagram page for little doodles that I do on the advice of the fiancé, Charlie. And um, it has a bunch of doodles of mine that I diddle and doodle all the time. Okay, no, mm-mm. That's not what I do to my drawings. It has my drawings <laughs> that I doodle. Uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. But it's good. So if you want to follow that, that's at Auras Creatures. A-U-R-A-S Creatures. You know, nothing fancy there. Just creatures spelled creatures. Auras Creatures. God damn, why is it so hard for me to get information to the general public when it is pertaining to myself? I can talk about murder all day long and get through that story and be effective with it, but god damn if it's not hard to talk about myself. I even have, like, bullet points and shit. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. This week, I decided to go back to a case that I've had bookmarked since 2020, um, back at the, the OG job, um, and... I was waiting for more information to surface about the case because it was one of those cases where, as per usual, there was an ungodly amount of information about the murderer and no information about the murder victim. So I had to do some deep, deep, deep digging, and even back then it was impossible to to, to come up with an entire um, episode about it. And I didn't feel that I would do the case justice, so waiting until there was more information about the case. It is international, so I can understand, you know, there were some barriers there. But suffice it to say, there is enough information out there today, and I was able to write an episode. Ivor Masajowski was born in 1990 in England to a Polish family, a really close-knit, large Polish family at that. He had a big brother named Tom who was very protective of him. Like, Brother Bear. Oh, that's a cute movie. That kind of protective about him. Now, I, I'm thinking of Brother Bear now. I need to get back on track. Right. According to an article from Malta Today, written by Matthew Vela, Tom said, quote, you overcame so much hardship to finally be able to live the life you deserved. A life of love, laughter, a life so nourishing, a purely selfless life where those around you became the center of your universe. So very sweet things to say about it. Very sweet things to say about each other in general. They had that really close relationship, which you don't usually see with brothers. Or maybe you do. I don't know. Me and my brother are fairly close. I feel like this isn't about me. Let's see. Ivor also loved art, like was obsessed from an early age with art, and that's any kind of visual paintings, digital art, anything that he could look at and analyze and try to kind of like get into the mind of the artist. He's very much an art student type, <laughs> but an art student who genuinely enjoys looking at all of the art and going to art school. Ivor took a particular liking to Andy Warhol's work. He was sort of an Andy Warhol fanboy. He also had an Instagram where he loved to show off his like huge freaking muscles and pose completely naked. Well, like Instagram naked where you're covering up the the bits but you're not covering anything else. That 
was what he would do on Instagram. Thirst traps, you know? But, like, pretty extreme thirst traps and funny things on myself. It was nice. You can go look at the Instagram. It's to be appreciated. It's what Ivor would want. He obviously worked very hard on his muscles and bodybuilding and being in the gym and in his free time outside of that, he was an art collector and trader. I did make the mistake of dipping down into those comments on Ivor's Instagram account. I'm like, not scary in a bad way, just scary in a way where like comments were like, I bet you have a great cock and other comments using words that I would really prefer not to read on my Sunday morning good Christian Instagram <laughs> scrolling sessions. Um, yeah, no, no. It was a lot. It's a lot. But there were also, like, you know, cute guys who also would respond, and he had, there, there's a whole network of bodybuilding gays on Instagram. They know who, you know who you are. Anyways, according to his Instagram bio, he was a, quote, contemporary art dealer and photography art publisher. That's the official title to what I butchered <laughs> saying earlier. He really liked the emotions that art would bring out of him, and he visited a Paulo Rigo gallery show a few years ago, posting, quote, Those close to me know my love for Paulo Rigo, and going on to explain the issues Paula has faced in her long-spanning career, most famous being her fight against fascism and abortion bans, are imminent issues we are faced with head-on again today. This was a few years ago. This was before they overturned Roe v. Wade. So, like, he knew what was up. He was paying attention. He keeps saying, Until now, Paula, like many deserving female artists, has criminally not been known as she should be. Yet, when faced with these same social issues again, I refuse to not take Paula Rigo's name and work along for the fight. I finally feel like Paula Rigo is getting recognition she deserves as an artist, but I also feel as an activist who has fought for the rights and freedoms that millions of us hold all over the world, Paula Rigo is more than a famous... Paula Rigo is more than a famous artist of... Paula Rigo is more than a favorite artist of mine. She is a hero of mine, and I've not even touched upon the physical beauty of her work. So again, he did, he wasn't really focused on the physical beauty of work. He appreciated it just like anybody else who loves art, but he was more interested in the artist and the emotion that they were trying to portray and the emotion that they were experiencing at the time. It seems like Ivor was really passionate about human connection in every way, shape, and form. It was also refreshing to see a man say positive things about women on the internet. Um... So that was nice. It could tell that he was that kind of a person who is actually a feminist. You know, doesn't take much work, guys. Come on. He also, and this is all just based off of an Instagram account. So for those of you who don't think I can learn a lot from you based on your Instagram, I definitely can. Because <laughs> he also had been posting pictures of himself with his nephew. And you could just tell that. Ivor was head over heels for this baby, constantly posting about him. And the pictures of him with the kid, he's like goo-goo eyes. More than the baby has goo-goo eyes. And isn't that like where the phrase comes from? He was way more obsessed with the baby, so he was getting that itch. And I could tell that he would be the type to adopt a kid and be a fantastic father. 
From what I gathered on Christian Pandolfino, Christian was born October 19th, 1961 in Malta. He grew up there with at least two younger sisters and was very, very close to them. According to one of those sisters, Daniela, he let her and her son live with him for a while when they were struggling in the, quote, worst of times. His sister also mentioned that two tragedies had struck the family 16 years apart, leading me to believe that things had been hard on the Pandolfino family for a while. It looks like they grew up in a household of at least six people and were very close both physically and emotionally. Christian grew up to be an investment banker and around the age of 55, I know, big jump, but there was not much information on Christian. He was living in London, 2016-ish, and working there as an investment banker. He had apparently previously been a doctor and had amassed quite the collection of fine art because he was also very passionate about fine art. And that's in, you know, any aspect of fine art from sculpture to painting to print. He just, he loved it all. Just like Ivor. According to an article on Lipstick Alley written by Sam Visayo, Christian's sister Daniela is quoted describing him as, quote, knowledgeable like few people were. Literally a walking encyclopedia, eloquent and an amazing man. Christian was a very financially successful person and a very established man in life in general with his relationships, with his career, with everything. Naturally, he decided to switch to investment banking from being a doctor, obviously, the things that you do, and go to London, as I said, and while he was there, he met Ivor. According to both Christian and Ivor's families, they were attracted to each other like magnets quickly off the bat and fell in love within a matter of weeks. They were always together and loved to travel and just see new places together, experience new things together, and they were on a mission to see the world, that was for sure. Since both of the men loved art, while they were traveling the world, they would collect art and add to their collection that, when put together, was already huge. So they were just building this huge art collection up and up and up because they were very successful and both loved it. Both Christian and Ivor's family seemed to be very accepting of the men being gay and also accepting of their relationship. You can tell by media that's been posted by family and friends that Christian and Ivor were as close as a couple can be. They were always posting pictures together, pictures of one another, pictures about trips that they would take together. They were obsessed with each other. Eventually, they moved into an apartment in Silema, Malta, and quickly made it home, putting their art all over that house. I mean, covering this apartment with art every inch. And the apartment was also freaking gorgeous, just like the rest of Malta is. But it, this apartment was just breathtaking. On August 18th, 2020, Christian's sister Daniela comes to visit and Ivor and Christian plan to go get dinner with her and the kids. Her kids. They don't have any kids. At this point, Ivor and Christian have been together for four years. Both fam They've met families, like everybody knows each other. They're very close. You know, the relationships are established. When it starts getting closer to dinner and it comes time to leave, Ivor tells Christian that he's not feeling great and is going to stay home and just try to sleep off just the icky feeling that he's feeling. 
Christian's like, that's no big deal. So he goes and he grabs dinner with his sister anyways. Dinner goes great, but Christian decides to call it a little bit early so that he can go home and check on Ivor because he's not feeling well. And Daniela's like, oh, that's cute. You're a worried hubby. No big deal. I'll just go grab ice cream with the kids. So Christian leaves dinner and heads straight from the restaurant home and gets there around 10 p.m. to check on Ivor. At 10.19, three armed men burst into the couple's beautiful apartment, and in a matter of four minutes, Christian is shot twice in the chest, once in the neck, once in the stomach, and once in the head. And Ivor was shot once in the head, and both men were killed. What I find particularly tragic about the situation is that Christian was downstairs and Ivor was upstairs when they were murdered, so they weren't even together when they died. They didn't get to see each other at all. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I just find it all particularly tragic. Both Christian and Ivor were basically always wearing these like really thick, big gold chains and like a bunch of them. Uh, and it, they were always on their bodies. At least one of chain was always on their bodies. And their chains were nowhere to be found, but that was the only thing that was missing from the apartment. What I gather from the Maltese press is that police are initially stumped because of the lack of missing items from the home and the fact that there's fine art everywhere that hasn't been touched. So they turn to the family to ask a few questions, see if they knew anything, knew if there was any sketchiness or, you know, anything that they didn't know already. That's when the family tells them that Christian and Ivor's chains are nowhere to be found on the premises and police start to kind of piece things together. The men's families were both devastated, obviously. And according to an interview on the Daily Mail's website by Chris Pleasance, Christian's nephew, Luca, is quoted as saying, We're still trying to make sense of things during these tragic times. Yesterday, the world lost two gentle giants. They were the two nicest people you could ever meet. Keep your loved ones close because you never know when they could be taken away from you. Rest in peace, Uncle Chris and Ivor. Daniela posted something very similar on her own page. That's Christian's sister. And the trauma that these families have both endured is just palpable when you look at their social media accounts and when you look at these screenshots from articles about it. They're just broken people. A common theme in cases like this. Their friends were equally as shocked, again, obviously. And in an article from Pink News written by Emma Maurice, a close friend of the couple's, Jordan Munn, was quoted saying, They were just really, really great people. Selfless and funny, and just friendly and fantastic and fabulous in every way. The two were very popular in their circle and in their community. They seemed to leave a really big void when they were gone in a lot of people's lives. And they did garner a lot of attention in their community after they were killed. Police were able to obtain some CCTV footage from the apartment building showing three men exiting a white car around 10:19 p.m. on August 18th. They burst into the apartment. They come back four minutes later, and the timestamps coincide again with when Christian and Ivor were killed. They were able to identify one of the men as 25-year-old Daniel Muka, which authorities immediately knew was an issue. This guy had ties to gangs in the area and a hugely extensive rap sheet. He apparently had been involved in an armed holdup at a Diamonds International place in 2017 
and had some accomplices there where they stole about 330,000 euros worth of jewelry. So like a huge jewelry heist, some video game level shit. Somehow he bailed out on that charge. I, I have no fucking idea how you can bail out on a jewelry heist charge where you stole 330,000. I, I don't get it. But he bailed out and his reputation apparently preceded him so much that on that trial, a man who was supposed to testify against him decided not to out of fear of those guys and ate a charge for refusing to give evidence. So like he would prefer to have his own criminal charges than to speak up against Daniel Muka and his brother. So these guys, bad news all around. So police are like, oh boy, what's going on here? Authorities begin to piece things together and realize that the couple was targeted for their collection of fine art and expensive items because that's posted online and that's how those men were known to operate. They think that they assumed the men who did the botched robbery had assumed that both Ivor and Christian weren't home or that only one guy was home because they did decide that then was a good time to go in. So maybe they knew about the dinner and didn't expect Ivor to have stayed home or something. When they realized they had targeted two enormous men who were very capable of smushing them like bugs, they decided to panic and just empty guns on them and kill both of the men, taking just the chains and running away. So it, in this case, it was a botched robbery, which is absolutely awful. I think that because these men knew Ivor and Christian were gay, they thought that they could handle the situation. But they're also like 300 pounds of straight muscle. Like, it just, these guys seem like the worst criminals of all time. Just fucking idiots. So they drove off, thought they'd get away with it like they did before. But this time, there was murders. So the men ended up being sought after this time. But we're not quite done being cowards. Daniel was traced down electronically, so he didn't really have a chance to flee. But then the second person identified named Victor Jagamansky was in Xira, I believe it's pronounced, hiding in a hotel a week after the murder. And him, on the other hand, he was not ready to go. So he climbed out of a window when he saw that he'd been surrounded by police and onto the roof for a dramatic rooftop chase for a while um, before he w started shooting at police and was eventually apprehended and tackled and got the shit beat out of him. Uh, and a third and final man which for some reason all the photos of him are blurred. His name was Jesper Christensen. Uh, he was apprehended as well, but like he's blurred out and all the I don't know, it's weird. All three men were charged and put in jail. And the only one that's still out there is the driver, which I feel like is obviously Daniel Muka's brother from the jewelry eyes thing, you know? I feel like that's definitely who was driving the car because they already worked together. Like we're on the same page. All three men have pled not guilty at this point, and it seems that the legal system in Malta moves just as slowly as the legal system here, because it's sort of hard to figure out what's going on with the case currently, or what went on, if anybody's sentenced, like, I have no idea, really. I know that they've been apprehended and caught, like, the case is solved. I don't think any of the murderers have been released, but I also can't find, like, permanent sentencing records. But I did find an article on Malta Today from January of this year by Matthew Agius that said Daniel was filing some sort of appeal due to some flub or violation of his rights via issues and electronic tagging that I do not fully understand. Like, that's above my... I don't know what this appeal is. But I don't think it's going to work. 
The truth of the matter is that he's not innocent, and authorities already know that he's the one that pulled the trigger. He had the gun, he was the mastermind, he is the murderer proper. The article from January also mentioned that uh, the men were still in jail awaiting murder trials, so that's where they're currently rotting, from what I can tell. This is one of those cases that was truly just a cold-blooded, money-hungry situation. And I don't even know why this group was still heisting and robbing after a 303rd. Like, you already got caught. You're not good at it. This That wasn't... And, and they got caught again because they're fucking the worst criminals that I've ever heard of. I don't understand. It didn't have to happen, obviously, and it shouldn't have happened, obviously. But it's just extra frustrating this time, knowing some of the details of the case. Hopefully the men bought themselves life sentences. At least one of them gets a life sentence. That's my personal hope. In a Times Malta article by Claudia Calleja, a friend of Christian and Ivor's named Keith Caruana, who used to run into them at their favorite restaurant all the time, said it best, in my opinion. What a sad world. Let's hope the aggressor gets caught and passes through hell. I have never heard that as a saying, passes through hell. I didn't know it was something you could pass through, but that's what he said, and I am inclined to agree with that man. So yeah. That is the unfortunate and frustrating story of Ivor Mesajowski and Christian Pandolfino. It should not take me three years to write a story. There should be more information about these cases. I just need a little more diligent work from the people who report in the crime area on crimes involving LGBTQ people. It seems that only LGBTQ people are the ones who are getting the least amount of coverage, or none at all, which is just ridiculous, especially considering we're taking the brunt of all of the political moves right now, and it could use some support, a little bit, a little bit of support. But yeah, that's why I don't watch the news, you know? Anyway, that was this week's episode murder's a drag and i'm so sorry that it was a drag you know but it kind of always is and that's why that's in the name of the episode i mean series that's why it's in the name of the series wow my makeup is really pretty today i hope you appreciated that and if you can't see what i'm talking about you need to follow my instagram at aura van dank or at murder's a drag because that makes more sense you can also follow that new one i was mentioning at aura's creatures that's also there um and yeah I'll see you same place, same time next week. Probably. Bye.